My name is Will, and I'll, if we didn't get a chance to meet, I'm the pastor here at the Ridge, and you're going to have to put up with me talking to you about the book of John today. So we're, we're uh, going through uh, a study, if you will, through the, the book of John, written by who? John. John. Yes, there you go. Okay, cool. We're, we're starting to get awake here. That's good. And um, who is this John? Not John the Baptist, but John the disciple, right? Yeah. One of the guys who, who walked with Jesus and, and actually lived longer than all the rest of those. According to history, he, he was the one that made it to old age. And so he had a lot of perspective. Uh, one, one thing that we keep coming back to in the book of John, and, and this is what this is what we have to keep in mind is, is that there are four accounts. If you're not familiar with the Bible, if you haven't been part of studying that a lot, so there's four accounts, four, four authors that, that wrote testimonies, if you will, about the ministry life of Jesus. And so John is one of those, and he's very clear throughout his letter there, throughout his book, is that, um, is that the purpose of that is he wants to show many things, but once he, wants, he wants you to know who Jesus is and know that he's God. He wants you to sort of follow through his life. And, and through this study, his hope is that, one, you would believe in Jesus. And by believing in him, that you would have eternal life now. So there's, there's a very particular purpose to this. And what's, what's so beautiful about this is the people who chose this song today had no idea what I was going to preach about. But it, but it, is, it is wonderful because today we're going to talk about one of the stories that this one actually occurs in all four of those accounts. And we refer to it as the feeding of 5,000 because it's a, a story about miraculous feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children which weren't counted. Right? So that's a big group of people. You can see here if you're taking notes or if you look back on this, the video on YouTube later, uh, this, we're going to be talking through John 6, 1 through 15. It's also found in Matthew 14, 13 through 21. You can read, read the same story from the other perspective, Mark 6, 30 through 34, and Luke 9, 10 through 17. But one of the beautiful things about that song is, you see, if you're, if you're coming in here, like, what's this? Why are you guys, like, raising your hand and singing? Well, well because we, we basically sing songs about what we really want to believe and live, Right? But it is so hard sometimes, like a couple songs ago, we, we, we sang that God never let us down. However, I would tell you, most people in here feel like some point in time, he let you down, if we're just being honest. The reality is he didn't, but it feels that way, okay? And in church, we're not supposed to say that we feel that way, but we have to be honest enough to follow him. And that's the cool thing about Jesus, as, as, as the man all man, all God. And somehow he was both of those things without contradicting each other. Like his humanity was evident and his deity was evident. And in this story specifically, it's all about gratitude. And so we sing this song, Gratitude, and it's like, I don't have much for you, God. Like I want to be able to say all these profound things. I want to be this person with giant confidence and faith. I don't want to be shaken. I don't want to be nervous. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be addicted to whatever it is that I numb my life with. But in reality, the best I can come up with today is just thank you. Like, I don't have much, but all I have is my thank you. And what a beautiful place to enter this. Okay, let's pray and then we'll get in. Thank you, Lord. 
The one who made us made everything, made all the food come forth from the earth. Lord, be blessed. Let us know. Let us tell you that we are thankful. Lord, teach us through this. Connect with us, Lord, like only you can. Lead us to become more like you. And if we're on the fence or we're running from you, Lord, draw us near to you. Have us come with you and start walking our life out with you, Lord, I pray. We love you. Amen. Okay. Oh, it's going to have to reset it there for me. Okay, so we're going to pick up there once she, once she does that. Is it going to work? There we go. Okay, so we are picking up with a new chapter. Yeah, we made it through five chapters. Before we get into that, in John's account, understand it's, it's sort of, as the commentators say, supplemental to some of the others. He wrote this after some of the other Gospels, and so he's put things in there to try to frame it, try to show us that Jesus was God, that we can have faith in him, that we, some people call it the love book. We want to see the love of God because we all know that love is what draws us close to him. It's what draws us to repentance and to turn from a life away from him and go towards him. So, so some time has passed, some time has passed uh, since chapters, between chapters 5 and 6. Depending on, on what feast was mentioned in John 5, 1, because there was a feast of the Jews, but it didn't say which one. We could be talking about six months. We could be talking 12 months if it was Passover to Passover. So we don't know, but some time has passed here. And, and what's cool is we have those other accounts, right? Matthew's account, uh, the one from, from Luke's account, the one from Mark's account, and they tell us some other things. And one thing we learned is they were in Jerusalem in chapter 5, right? And if you look at the map, I'll show you a map a little later, but I didn't put this map there. So they were in Jerusalem, and somehow they got some 120 kilometers away, right? So, so they ended up in Nazareth, where Jesus was from, and he got rejected there, right? So they're traveling that land quite a distance. 70, by the time they got to where they were, where they like 100 miles, and they walked a while. And as they traveled, certain things happened. Jesus was teaching. You'll read about in some of the other Gospels. He was, he was performing miracles. Um, he was healing people. Some of the other accounts talk about Jairus' daughter and the woman who was, who was bleeding, uh, also, John the Baptist was beheaded somewhere along here. John's not talking about that, but that happened. Uh, Jesus, he went home. He was rejected at Nazareth. And also this really cool thing happened where Jesus took the 12 disciples. He paired them up, and he sent them out to do ministry. And they came back. And so that's kind of where we pick up. Now Jesus is going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves of bread and two small fish. So I, I want to show you, I, I brought an illustration just because I think it's fun, but also here's what, we, what I don't know. I don't know exactly what kind of bread was found. We're going to get to this story, but ahead of time, please understand, people who are aware of the culture at the time, those who studied history, they tell us at best a loaf of bread was as big as like a pita, but it might have been a cracker, okay? So they had like five of these. For giggles, I got five of them right here, okay? And I got some stink-free fish. If I can say that again, stink-free fish right here. Two fish. What's going to happen is they're going to find, the disciples are going to find from one little boy, two little fish, probably smaller than this, and five loaves of bread, whatever that means. 
and barley loaves. Now, I've got some helpers to help me. Let me, let me skip to the end. Something that's going to happen at the end of this is the disciples, there's 12 of them, they're going to each have a basket. They're going to gather up after Jesus feeds between 5,000 and 1, because the boy was there and he wasn't counted in the 5,000, to who knows, 20,000? So we're talking somewhere between 5,000 and 1 and an unknown number of people were fed to their fill. And afterwards, they took 12 baskets, which I guarantee you were larger than these baskets. They had that much left over, 12 baskets left over. So I think the black and white on the page can kind of mess with our head a little bit. So Tyler, would you come on up? And Natalia and Abby, would you guys come on up? I've got some beautiful assistants here. Now, if you, if you all would glove up for me, what I'm going to have them do, glove up there, and then what we're going to do is we don't want to waste because Jesus didn't waste. So we're going to use this bread for our communion today. But don't worry, we're taking all safety protocols. They have, they have plastic gloves, which I'm sure are completely sanitary, right? Whatever factor they were created in. And what I want you to do is, as I'm talking, if you don't mind taking this bread and, and ripping it in like communion-sized pieces and see how much you can fill of two baskets with those five loaves. Sound good? Okay, we'll keep going. So some of the reasons I'm going to show you why Jesus did this is, one, it says that he wanted to show compassion, love and compassion to these people. One of the accounts said Jesus had, right, he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Um, Also, a big part was to teach his followers, Because one of the questions that everyone has is like, okay, Jesus, you feed somebody in a miraculous way. Well, we're finicky like people. We're only as happy as our current meal. Right? (laughs) Right? You get the hunger pains, pick up hours later, and then what are you going to do for me lately, Jesus? Let's feed me again. As a matter of fact, he runs into that again and again, right? Oh, we're hungry. Dude, come on. Like, we've been down this road before, right? So one of the things he's doing here is teaching his followers Another thing that he's doing, he's proving his deity. Because the Messiah was supposed to be able to have the power that God displayed, right, in the Exodus to create bread from heaven, basically. And here Jesus doesn't quite do that, but he sort of does, right? So it's, there's kind of that, that looking back, you're like, oh, you're a sneaky one, Jesus. Right? You're a sneaky one. The bread, right? You fed them. Uh-huh. And you're going to do it again in a couple chapters or something. And then finally, it's an illustration for future teachings. So we'll get to that. Okay. Now, to set the stage, I'm going to take you away from John real quick. This is in Luke's account. Luke says this. In Luke 9, verse 10, it says, On their return, what he's talking about is when the disciples returned from their ministry. They went out two by two. I mean, can you imagine? What, what, would, they, what would that be like? You were out. You, you saw people healed. You, you probably got into arguments. You proclaim the, the kingdom of God, and you came back to Jesus. What would, be, what would you be feeling? Use your imagination. Exaltation? You'd just be like, oh, right? You've ever had an exciting time, and you come home, and you try to go to sleep? You can't. You need to talk it out, right? Uh, tired, probably. What else? Overwhelmed? Possibly Confused? Changed, okay. And there's always that kind of, that, that take back that happens. Oh, I could have. 
I should have. What would have happened? Right, the doubt, the shame. What's really cool is that Jesus, please understand this. What we see in Jesus' ministry is that he gave out to minister. And he had this common thing that he would do. He would, he would give out of his energy, his, his passion, his love. Um, and then he would be tired and he would go to rest or go to re- reconnect with the Father. So what's really cool here that I, I kind of read this and studied this. I've been, I've been sitting on this, praying about it, guys. And something cool here is on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. Kind of what we said, Jesus, guess what? Or explain this to me. Or, oh, Jesus, I blew it. And here's what he did. And he took them and withdrew apart. You see, Jesus kept doing this. Oh, thank you. Look at you guys here. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Okay. This is no smoke and mirrors trick. Okay, look at this. Two tiny baskets. Do you see how little is, is filled here? I mean, that, that kind of illustrates. And these were probably loaves bigger than the ones these disciples were dealing with here. Right? Look at no strings. No smoke and mirrors. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You're, you're beautiful. We love you. And then if we even ripped up the fish, right, stink-free fish, it wouldn't fill it up much more. So Jesus withdrew to them, withdrew them with them and took them to, right, depends on how you want to say it, but the Prescott Valley way to say it is Bethsaida. But you could say there's a, there's, a, there's a better way to pronounce that, but that's my Prescott Valley accent. So they withdrew and they, they went to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him which is what kept happening. This guy was doing miraculous things. I got to see it. I got to see it. The, the murmuring, the, the conversations, right, between, between everyone. So people started following him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had a need of, of healing. So Jesus had compassion on him. He was trying to get a break. And they're, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Teacher, 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 healer, healer, healer. And he said, okay. And he taught them. And he healed those. I made a note here. Mark talks about this section as well in Mark 6. So if you're looking at that. Well, this is where John picks up. After Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Right, they came for healing. They came to see something miraculous. Well, here's a little bit of a map. Um, so right here, so down here, right, Jerusalem would be down here. They made their way up. At some point in time, they were in Nazareth here. And now what it says is they made their way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee right here. And here the, here's Bethsaida. So that's kind of where they're at. Um, And then it says in verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Right Back to that point, I underline that because I think it's so key here. This is one thing that Jesus was doing. He was teaching a sermon, right? And then afterwards, in a more intimate environment, he was able to talk it out with them. He also modeled something for them. Because Jesus was dealing with with the struggles of having a human body, 
right, and getting tired and, and getting hungry. He made this kind of a habit. This is where he would go and get, get that replenishment. And he's invited the disciples now that they have gone out and done a similar ministry. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing what, that a large crowd was coming. So understand the word mountain here isn't talking about like a large mountain range. We're talking about the, the language here refers to a high place. And I've never been to this area, but, but if, you, if you look at pictures and you read, there are hilly areas. So he kind of went up onto a high place, but they were, high, they were low enough to where they could see groups of people coming towards them. Right? So he saw them coming, and then he said to Philip. Well, a big question is why Philip, right? It Was that just random? Did Philip seem to be standing by him? I don't know for sure. Lots of people speculate. But one interesting thing is you know that, that Philip is from this area, right? This is his hometown. Or, or did, he have a, did he have a responsibility over feeding the disciples? I, I don't know. We don't know. Depends on who, which smart person you read. They'll tell you why they think this is true. But I think this is fascinating. So he tells Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat? And, and we can't forget that this is real. This is real people. So could you imagine it? I'm from this area, so people who come here, they're always like, well, where do you go to eat? You know, right? Which restaurant's good? So it's a lot like that. Like, Philip, this is where you're from. Where, where are we going to go? Look at all these people. Where are we going to go to get food? So we'll just go with that assumption. It might not be true, but it doesn't matter. Okay? So he talks to Philip. What's true is this. Verse 6, he goes on to say, he said this to test him. So what Jesus was doing was testing his men. You can see right here a big part of what he was up to is training those people who were following him. And Philip, which is pretty clever, Philip answered him. He said, 200 denarii or denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So yeah, 200, yeah, 200 denarii. That wouldn't even be enough for them to get a little. That doesn't mean anything to us in a world of dollars and cents and pesos and euros and all that kind of stuff. But, but the, the denarii, the denarii, depending on how you want to say that, that amount is considered, as far as they tell us from ancient, the ancient culture, is it's worth about one day's wage, average wage. So we're talking like he's saying, even if we had 200 days wages, That's a lot of bread for a little bread. Okay, so there's a problem. We have a problem. Jesus, we have a problem. Now, now another thing, I've underlined and highlighted this piece here, and you're like, well, what's your computer make a mistake? No. I want to point this out because here's one of the huge lessons from this. If we're being honest, this is us. This is us. We have somewhere along the way people who are of faith And it's hurting the people on the outside. We've come to this belief, and that's this. It's like Philip said. Well, we could get him a little bit, Jesus, but we don't have enough money to give him a little bit. And what's telling here, as you really kind of think and meditate on that, is like, wow. You could just see those guys are like, okay, we're busy. You're God of the universe. At this point, they were still pretty sure he was going to be the king of their nation. And they were going to be his royal court, right? 
And so they're like, we're about big business. So this big business God who's up to big things, the best he can give you is a little toaster leave-ins to satisfy you. Do you see how that snuck in there? I mean, wasn't Jesus' goal just to give us a little? What's that? More than enough. But do you see how that's creeped in? And, oh, well, well you're going you're gonna to go somewhere, Will, and talk about prosperity where God always gives that to you. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, what, what do you think the problem is if my view of God is that he wants to give me just a little bit, just enough to survive? What are some problems with that in your mind? You're serving a little God? Uh-huh. Any other problems that you see? He's not loving? Yeah. Kind of paints a picture. He's distant. He doesn't, he doesn't have time to worry about your little belly. Right? Someone else? Lack of trust? He won't be enough? What's that? It might prompt you. Your eyes went together. So he said, it wouldn't be enough, and she said, it'll prompt you to go to another place. Which is, it might, right? Which is exactly it. Like, imagine if the God that's right before me, all he's going to offer me is, like, a little. Right? Then, then, then the idea is God and, right? It's like it's kind of like your Medicare supplement or something like that, right? It's not enough, so you've got to get something more. It's like, Jesus, he'll give me the toaster leave-ins, but I need to go get the feast somewhere else. And that is so American Christianity. Our faith is, a, is an appointment because life only comes in all the other things that we do, Right? So then we wonder certain things like, okay, so for people like in high school, it's like, listen, God's not enough because he gives us just a little. So go out there and figure out how you're going to conquer the world. And then while you're at it, make some time for God. It's the message. It's the pressure on him. Like, what if you guys did nothing but just got up every day and, and worked whatever job, but love God? Would that be a full life? Would it be a full life, everyone who's outside of high school? <laughs> right? It would, but we're just like, no, everyone's supposed to be a doctor, a lawyer, make tons of money, provide for themselves because we have the little God that gives you toaster leave-ins, right? It's like, oh, Lord, yeah, no, I mean, so I got to keep that in mind because that creeps in with me, it creeps in with you, and if we're being honest, that's one of the beautiful things about this. We'll go forward, John 6, verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew... Simon Peter's brother said to him. So what's funny is I read this in a couple different commentaries. They're like, you know what's funny about Andrew in the book of John? And, and, and so I thought it was funny enough to share with you. Like, this guy's amazing. The only thing you hear about him is he's just always introducing somebody to Jesus. Right? Even Simon. We talk a lot about Simon, who's known as Peter, kind of a big character in the Bible. He had no idea about this if it wasn't for Andrew. Andrew's like, all, his whole role is like, have you met Jesus, right? Have you met Jesus? It's like, hey, Simon, have you met Jesus? And now he's going to find this little boy. Hey, have you, you met Jesus? I love it because in my house, we have different personalities. And my wife laughs at Tyler and I because we go somewhere, and she's like, which friend did you make? Or, yeah, I made this friend in the line. 
She's like, they're not your friend. Do you know their kids' names? Do you know their last? Well, no, but we're, we're kind of fast friends. And I, I just see Simon must be doing that because somehow it's like later on, he brings Gentiles to Jesus. He brings, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch the personalities of these people because I'm like, yes, that's me. It's, I do the same thing. Have you met Emily, right? Like, I, I love it. And, and it's so cool because his, his faith seems... Simple but powerful there, right? Like, yes, I'm in. Um, So verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? So first of all, I found a little boy. Anyone else wonder about that? It's kind of like watching a TV sitcom, and you're like, where's the little kid? Where's the baby, right? We watched something one day, and Brandon's like, where's the baby at? There's like this one-year-old, and every adult in the house is in the living room dealing with some kind of drama. They just like cage this kid or something. So where's this little boy? The language here is little boy. Not a teenager, not a young man, a little boy. He has five loaves of bread, whatever that is, if it's crackers, a couple small fish. Where's his mom and dad? I don't know. I read this, too. They said, you know, barley was, was like a poor person's grain, too. So this was not a rich boy. And how did he get, where was he from? How did he get there? Like, how did he know about Jesus? Why was he willing to share? Why would he even talk to Simon? Like, or I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's not Simon, I'm sorry. Yeah, Andrew. Why would he talk to Andrew? Just like, whoa. And give all that he have. So here's the new problem. This is great, Jesus. We got this little boy. He has this. But what is this? What is this for so many? What is this for so many? So we have an impossible problem to overcome. I mean, consider this. Culturally, you and I, we don't starve. Any of you kind of, I mean, most of the people in the room, I I don't want to take for granted that certain people are having a hard time getting enough food. But when you sit down for a meal, you end up trying to portion control because you'll eat too much. But that's not the way it is in all the parts of the world now and definitely not then. And like those five loaves and the two fish, was that the kid just his lunch? Was that for his whole family? I mean, if they're a cracker and a couple little fish, maybe that makes sense. But that's a pretty good meal if the kid ate the big five pita breads and a couple of fish. So I don't know. But was it cousins, moms? I, I, who knows, right? It's just amazing. But we have this impossible problem to overcome. These people are hungry. And I don't know. It doesn't say how long they've been out there, where they've traveled from, how long it's been since they ate. But right away, in the impossible problem, all the disciples, the men, the women, the people that that didn't have the eyes that Jesus had were like, we got to send them home, Jesus. They need to eat. And there's no place around here to get food. And we don't have enough money to get them food. So the problem here is more than 5,000 people who are hungry and need to eat 
And also, they're all too far away from home to return home tonight for food and shelter. That's a real problem, right? But the goodness of God, would they have died? Probably not. They didn't eat. Maybe, maybe some of them were on the verge, but the majority of them, no. Next problem, there's not enough money to feed a crowd. And there's only a little food that they already have and not enough money to buy more. And then another problem is they're in a desolate place, it says. So even if they had enough money, where would they go to buy the food? And then they found a little boy who had these five loaves, two small fish, which wasn't enough for 5,001 plus people. Then Jesus says this. Jesus said, verse 10, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. God's blessings are abundantly given. This is, this is like a fun little addition. Mark says this in Mark 6. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And that, that goes with what John said. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. So, you, you, okay, you're in an impossible situation, right? You're in an impossible situation, and um, everyone's worried. There's, there's this murmuring. You're trying to train these people, and you're Jesus. And then what he does is he's like, okay, let's have everyone sit down. And not only that, sit down in groups of 50 or 100, by hundreds and by 50s. Sit down and gather in groups. I'm going to have you sit in this green grass and and watch what's going to happen. Then Jesus took the loaves. And when he'd given thanks, right, he would have have taken a loaf and and, and it says that he gave thanks. He's basically, thank you. Who knows what he said? None of these say, but, but something very likely that was real common in the culture is to thank God. The one who created all the food from the earth. And bless them. So he blessed that. And then it says, and some of the other versions say he just started kind of tearing. And then he distributed it to the disciples who distributed it to them. And it says he distributed to them those who were seated. Was there anyone who wasn't seated who didn't get fed? Right? So also the fish, fish. Right? as much as they wanted to like get yeah, two little fish, right? As much as they wanted. So what had happened here is, is we don't know exactly, but, but you see that Jesus, he's, he's tearing and he's putting in the baskets. And there's 12 disciples and they're, they're passing it out. Who knows if anyone else is helping them, but, but he had the disciples distribute it. And what it says here is, so he, he blessed it, he tore it. I don't know what happened. Did he just tear the little bit in the baskets and then they were walking and poof, magically, it was there? I don't know. Did he tear and it just kept going? 
Like, it just didn't stop. I wonder. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Other, uh, the other b- books say they all ate and were satisfied. Like the word here is not just like a little bit, but like, man, feasted, feasted, like satisfied, I'm done. Kind of that full, I need a nap afterwards kind of thing, you know, there. And that wasn't so common for them. We call that Tuesday here, but, you know, three times a day on Tuesday. But not, not for them. They ate and they were satisfied. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Once again, I think, we're, I think it's lost on us how amazing that is. Um, Twelve baskets full. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. <laughs> like, right, they're like, yeah, Rome's going down, right? Like, no, I get that because we're all here like, Jesus, take over America, please, right? But, but he's like, that's not why I'm here. So he went up to the mountain. What do we make of this, Connor? What do we make of this? We love this story, right? Because Jesus came through in the way we wanted. We love this story because at the end, we all have very full bellies. And we're happy. And and Pastor Will is supposed to say, listen, this is an impossible thing that Jesus did. And you have an impossible thing in your life. And he can do impossible things in your life. Do you want me to say that to you? Right? Right? Are you guys asleep? Are you honest? Like, wouldn't you like to hear that? All right. Yeah. Would you guys like to hear that? How about over here, you guys? Or you guys like pain? You're like, no, I like pain better. This is better. <laughs> um, that, that is true. I think one huge thing is, yes, by all means, someone who's listening to this. Okay. Now, what happened was, first of all, the people of God, right? Especially the, the disciples. At this point, these are the only people that we can be sure are followers. Who was there for food? Who was there for healing and miracles? Who was there trying to trap him? Who was there just checking it out? I don't know where their hearts were. And it's not too different than when, when we come together in any fellowship of Christians or any Christian meeting is you have all the different groups of people that are coming from, from a different place when they come in. And, and what's really cool is when Jesus comes through our way, we love it. We say, yes, I'm in. When Jesus doesn't come through our way, we, we struggle. What we're going to see going forward here is even though he did this miraculous thing, most of these people are going to be like, thanks for lunch, thanks for dinner. But you're crazy, I'm out. 
And that's why my, my point is part of this is he was teaching the disciples. Because please understand, the disciples, where they were right now, they were losing a lot by being there in terms of human eyes. They didn't follow there just to get healed. As a matter of fact, their walk with Jesus over those three years brought all the junk out of them. It brought all the stuff inside of them that God was working on. This was a painful experience for them. It wasn't just a sweet dinner on the grass. And and, and so, yes, for sure, God can do those miraculous things, but you don't know what he's going to do. But what I loved what happened is there was a need, and you didn't know how Jesus was going to handle it. Was he going to have manna fall down? Was he, was he going to have, uh, send everyone home? Would he, would he send people to go fish? Well, let's get some fish and we'll grow this stuff up. What was he going to do? You don't know what God will do, but what he said is, your job is this. Listen to me. Follow my instruction. What I want you to do is sit in groups of 50 on the grass. That's an act of faith, you see? An act of confidence that, well, I'm not going to sit down. Like, I wanna, I'm going to go get some food. I'm going home. I'm getting hungry. Barbara, let's go. We're getting out of here, right? Like, that, that would have been, been an act of human. Well, hey, I'm a great fisher. I'm, I'm going to go fish. That was an act of faith. To sit down and not know, was he going to say, tough, you're not going to eat tonight? Or was he going to feed you? And then the disciples to come up like, I mean, talk about looking like an idiot, right? I mean, could you imagine? Can you imagine? They're like, okay, they got those five loaves. So there's like one piece of bread. And they're like, okay. Right? Like, I mean, what an act of faith. Like, I don't, I don't know, Lord, what's going to happen here if it worked that way. Or they come up, he's like, bring your basket. He starts ripping. If, if it happened where it just multiplied, you know, as he was passing it in, they're probably sitting there like, okay, I, I feel like a complete idiot, Jeff. Look at this, man. Um, that was a tremendous act of faith. And then what we read is, verses later, they're freaking out again. <laughs> they're freaking out again. What does this story tell us about God? What what does this story tell you about God? He works in spite of our inadequacies. I mean, there's, there's so many great lessons here. I mean, one is the boy, right? The boy's like, this is all I have. Like that gratitude, like, this is all I have, Lord. What, what else can I have? Nothing fit for the king, but just me. I mean, that is huge. So, like, someone hearing that can be like, "Man, I don't feel like I have a lot," but, but you're you. You have you. You have your life. You have your experience. You have everything that God's given you. And what is it for the king? It seems like nothing, but He loves you and He made you. What else? What else do we learn from the story? How to trust Him. Yeah. Wherever you are in your faith, you have to put it in action. Yeah.
Stop questioning how and trust that he will. Yeah. In spite of the situation, Jesus has got this. He will provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, to the people that were there, he was showing them that he was God because only God could do that. Yeah. And we're supposed to learn by reading. Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, we have those stories, and you see more of these stories, and if, if we were paying attention, and if we were being the church right, we would share our stories that make the same points. And, and a lot of you have stories, you're like, I don't know, because what, all I had was not enough. And I had no idea how God was going to do that, but somehow he made it like more than we needed. Right? Like how? And so I think that is, is important. We read so that we learn because right now, this story might find you in a situation where you feel like you are inadequate and you don't have enough to offer that. And so you're stuck in this weird place right here. This question, what if Jesus decided not to feed this multitude in a miraculous way. What would happen? There'd be some hungry people. Would he still be good? Would he still be right? And Jesus, you know, kind of in a sneaky way, he'd already mentioned this in John 4. Jesus said to them, remember he was, uh, he was talking with the Samaritan woman. And they came back. And they're like, like, you know, teacher, we got to eat. He's like, well, I have some food that you don't know anything about. And they're all like, dude, he had food this whole time? Or like, Peter, did you sneak him something? Right? I, I mean, you could kind of imagine like, man, what? He's got food? And then he drops this. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What's that mean? What does food do? It fills you up. It gives you energy. Nourishes you. It'll kind of encourage you, right, to get enough, too much of it will make you want to go to sleep, but enough of it will be like, okay, good lunch break, now we can keep going. Food, it creates fellowship around it. So joy, especially in that culture, eating, eating alone in your car, fast food wasn't a thing for them, right? It was a community event when you ate. And... And so you see this. So what Jesus is saying is like, listen, I might this day give you the bread. But in this moment, your bread might be doing the will of the Father, filling him satisfy you. And that's a hard thing to wrestle with. Because I don't know if you've even experienced that. What is, you and Connor and I were talking about, what does that look like when, when, uh, have you ever felt that, where you knew you were doing the will of the Father and it, and it gave you the food you need? Because if that was God's will, this story could have done differently, right? Like, okay, here's what we're going to do, everyone. We're going to get into groups of 50 or 100. 
And we're going to pray, Lord, what do you want us to do? And what if God was like, okay, I want all those groups of 50 to pray for each other. No food. But they did the will of the Father. They sat down in groups, and God provided. And we love it when he feeds us and we're full. We don't like it when he doesn't feed us. We get up off the grass. We say, this is garbage. I'm going down and getting some fish. I'm going home. And then the rest of the world around us that don't know any better, they're like, what's your... I mean, you ran, right, when it got hard. You ran when you didn't get what you wanted. Oh, this is a feel-good sermon. Well, thank you for this. Yeah, so what, what, I, what I want to invite you to is, is this reality. This is going to lead into the next section of Scripture that talks about what really the bread of life is. Because by all means, please understand that, that through, we have to understand that through God, everything was made. And even now, in a, in a, in a world of technology and chemical and processes, uh, raw materials are still made by God, and ideas are still birthed by God. So even if you 3D print your cheeseburger in some sick way, God was still the provider of those things. Uh, God is the one that provides every one of your breaths. He's the one that keeps your heart beating. He's the one that keeps the planets from colliding into one another. He's the one that keeps the temperature of the earth just right that you and plants can live. He's the Holy Spirit keeps the devil at bay. So what we can be is thankful. Because we have a God who can handle impossible things. But it's going to be hard when you're sitting on the grass and, and what you really want is not on your plate. It's going to be hard. So by all means, what, what, what I want to invite you guys to do is I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And we... Uh, we're going we're gonna to take communion together. And one of, the, one of the major reasons, one of the major commands when we do this is that when we do this, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. And he did this with his disciples and their, their last meal together before he was arrested. And what I would, what I would invite you to do is as they play this, this response song, we're going to enter into it in prayer. Because I, I can't tell you how God wants to apply this in your life. But I am telling you, we have a God who makes impossible things possible. It's, it's just a fact. But he has a plan and he has a way. And sometimes he leads us to sit in the grass in groups of 50s when we have no idea what he's going to do. Until he shows you. So John's purpose is that we would have faith and we would believe in God and in believing in him we would have life. And so the way of God's kingdom is if you were the guy on that, on that hillside that ran to the sea to catch your food, you would have less life than the guy who sat on the grass having no idea what was going to happen. You see that? If you were, if you were a husband and a wife and three... 2.3 kids and you got up and said we're going home because we're hungry you'd be less alive 
and the person that said, okay, I'll do what you ask me to do, Lord. And they sat on that grass. So it's an imperfect metaphor, but what if, what if the impossible that you're facing, instead of trying to fix it yourself, what if God is asking us just to sit at his feet on the grass? And to be ready to receive what it is that he has for us. What if in that we could learn what Jesus said, that I have bread that you guys know nothing about. What feeds me is when I do what God commands me to do. So that, that's what this is. We, we drop everything else. It says, when you come up here to do this, any problem, if you've got an issue with your brother or sister, you deal with it before you come here. Because when you come here, you drop everything else. And you take, you take this bread, which represents Jesus' body, and you take this juice, which represents his blood. And what's done in this with Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection is all your sin, all your doubts, all your imperfections, are dealt with. All the food you need, all the love you need, all the health you need is in Him. And all you do is you take this and you thank Him. You thank Him. You sit on that grass, you thank Him. And then you listen. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray, Lord, teach us what it is to have the bread of life. Show us what it is. Put it in our hearts so that we know, so we'd be a people full, even if we're hungry. We'd be a people who could still have a smile in our soul, even if we're crying. we We would be people who had hope even if it feels hopeless. We'd be a people who aren't alone even if we're by ourselves. So Lord, that's my prayer. I I pray that as we all come, we take this communion, as we reflect on you, Lord, that we would just use our imagination, Lord, and just picture being there on that grass, Lord. Just sitting there with you. Whatever our impossible situation is, whatever our struggle is, or whatever our thankful thing is today, whatever it is we're excited about, that we would just sit there and share it with you, Lord, that we take a few minutes. And Lord, I pray that you would take this, that you would, you would create a seed in our soul with this, Lord, that you would water it in the coming weeks when we talk about, about you. We, we thank you. Man, help us when we don't trust you. Help us when we don't believe All I can do is be thankful right now, Lord, and take what we are and what we have, even though it's not enough. And in your hands, it becomes enough. We come in faith because of you, Jesus. Amen.